0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: Recently, I was confronted in a very nice way by an individual that asked me a very legitimate question. He says, you speak a great deal concerning God's judgment. Why is that? And he told me one of his favorite Bible teachers, and he's a good teacher. And he said, this individual doesn't speak so frequently about God's judgment. And again, why do I? Well, this other Bible teacher, he is very good. But he selects each week what he's going to be speaking on. What he believes that the Lord has put upon his heart to share. I don't question that. I don't have any criticism for him whatsoever. As I said, this one is a very good teacher, but there's a difference. The difference is I do not go and think each week, what am I going to be sharing? I've selected several different books of the Bible that I'm working through. So I know what scripture I'm going to be speaking on because it's the passage that comes after the one I just completed and what I shared with this gentleman a very nice man is that the Bible does indeed speak frequently concerning God's judgment and when we go through the scripture book by book chapter by chapter verse by verse we both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament we are going to come frequently upon that concept of judgment the judgment of God now we need to remember something god commanded us and i'm speaking about yeshua he said pray for your enemies and obviously the context here is to pray that that they might repent pray that that they might be softened by god's goodness upon them but there does indeed come a time when it is appropriate to say to God, God, you are the judge, not me. And perhaps it would be appropriate now that your judgment, your retribution would fall upon them. And this is what we're going to see in today's study from the book of Psalms. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to Psalm 58, the book of Psalms and Psalm 58. Now, this is a very poetic psalm from a couple different perspectives. What I mean by that is simply that we see great symbolism in the language that is chosen by the author, and the author here is, of course, King David. So look at what it says, and there's an inscription, so we're going to be off one verse, because my first verse in the Hebrew text begins this way. To the chief musician or the choir director and then we have two words the phrase in hebrew which means if we translate it do not destroy now that's interesting because we see something do not destroy but david is going to pray for destruction by means of god's judgment very quickly And what we can glean from that is when we look at the rabbinical commentators, they point out this do not destroy, meaning do not allow them to destroy me. David is at a point, and this is important that we see this, that he feels it's either them or him, that his enemies have come to the point where they want to destroy him and david is saying do not allow them to be successful to destroy me and then we have as we continue to the end of this inscription it says le david which means by david it's of david and then we have the type of psalm that it is once again it's a michtam. and a miktam comes from a concept that the content the wisdom, the instruction of this psalm is more valuable, better than the finest gold. So this tells us that there is great significance in a practical sense for this world from this psalm. In other words, you should be highly motivated to study this psalm with me whenever we come across the fact that the psalm is a michtam let's begin verse one in your bibles verse two in mine now we have a question being posed because the first letter is a hebrew letter hey and in this concept it is speaking about a question the next word is indeed so it's rendering a question indeed it's causing us to ponder something and we're going to to this question come away with a negative response and here it is it says indeed the and we have the next term is a word for being deaf or mute being unable to speak not just being unable to hear but the emphasis of this word is being unable to speak and therefore the question is does the mute do do they speak righteousness and obviously the answer as i said is no because they don't speak at all and then we have another question and that is do human beings it uses the expression bene adam the sons of of man meaning human beings do do they judge literally will you judge uprightly can a man be trusted to judge uprightly in a proper way? And again, the answer is no. The only one who is appropriate to judge is God. And we know biblically that God the Father and his attributes are the same attributes of his son. And therefore, he has given all judgment to the son. He will ultimately bring about the vengeance of God, his judgment upon this world, not man so the deaf who cannot speak they don't speak righteousness and human beings don't judge uprightly that's how it begins next verse speaking about humanity and specifically these evil doers the ones that david is going to be emphasizing in a moment his enemies he says but in the heart of In the heart of these individuals is evilness. Now, this is a word which means that which is contrary to the standards of God. It relates to something that misses out on the the standards of God. That is what is appropriate. So in their heart is evil. Secondly, we see here that they devise. Now, this is a word for action but it's speaking about in their heart. so instead of doing it they're plotting they are conspiring to do evil in their heart and we know something the bible says as a man thinketh in his heart so is he so they're thinking in a wrong way doing these things that are against the commandments the statutes the standards of god and he says in the land because of such individuals In the land is what? In the land is Hamas, violence. So when we think evilly, it's going to manifest itself in violence. Let's read the whole second part of this verse. It says, In the land, your hands, you might say, weigh out violence. So when we think in our hearts about doing evil, that evil is going to be manifested with acts of violence in the land that's going to be measured out weighed out that which is going to to fill the earth and that is the state of humanity left to himself without a change that that derives the originates from God himself so it just depicts here a situation a dire situation for the plight of man without god a godless society is going to be full of wickedness and people are going to plan this out as we see in the prophets they're going to lay on their beds at night thinking about the evil things that they want to carry out the next day look on to the next verse verse four in hebrew three and other languages it says Zaru. now czar means foreign or a stranger and what we're seeing here is that these individuals are strange and once more when we look at the rabbinical commentators that have a great understanding of the hebrew language they they say that strange or foreign can mean someone from a different location a faraway location and that's how we should understand this word It's speaking about those who are far away. Who are far away? These ones who are wicked ones. The wicked ones have gone far away from the womb, meaning this. From the time that they were born, they were moving away from the standards of God, the will of God. They were individuals that did not want to submit to the structure, the framework for the the people of God his standards and I emphasize standards because this is what we should should strive for this is how we should think according to the standards of God if we think about what our standards are what we want what we pursue we're going to be just like these individuals we're going to be far away from where God wants us to be so these individuals wicked ones and they have been far away from the womb. And how do we know that they're, they're in an a improper state of behavior? Well, they're called in the first part of this verse, Rashaim, meaning wicked ones. And then we have a word for going astray. This is a significant word because what it means is that there is a, a right standard. There is something that is proper, appropriate. And they have gone astray from this within this word is not simply someone who's just straying away without any consciousness without any intent they kind of just you know go off course this is not what we're saying here this term has a degree of willful rebelliousness and that's very important to see and this has been their their behavior their mindset from the very beginning because it says they have gone astray from, and we have a different word for womb. It's literally the word today in modern Hebrew for belly. But they have gone away from the womb. And who's this? Well, they were individuals in the first half that were called wicked ones. And now they're defined as those who speak lies, who speak falsely, who speak deceit. So we're seeing something, three things. We see that someone thinks wrong they speak wrong and they behave wrong this is what david's referring to people from every aspect they are not behaving according to the will of god the the commandments of god now move to the next verse now we have a word for for anger but most of the commentators both jewish scholars and also christian scholars They based upon the parallelism of the text. Remember I said this psalm is highly poetic and therefore oftentimes because of the laws of Hebrew poetry, and that's parallelism, we we can rightly understand the intent and the meaning from the parallel passage. This should become clearer in a moment, but most will have the word, not anger, but the word for poison or venom like a a snake has a poisonous venom so venom is to them as like the venom of a snake like a and it uses the term normally translated python some bibles may translate it different but a python which is and this is a word for being deaf not mute but deaf what it's speaking about here in this context is a snake that does not pay attention does not respond he is deaf to something he may hear it but he does not respond and what doesn't he respond to well it says here that he is like a death python that that stops up his ears now again we're going to see in a moment without any doubt that the imagery here is. We've heard of these individuals that they, they play perhaps a flute or some uh, instrument and that sound causes the snake to behave in a different way and not a, a threatening, not an aggressive way. So there's that term the snake charmers. Well, here we're speaking about, it's parallelism, it is poetic, it is symbolism in the text. These individuals are being likened to snakes, snakes that cannot be charmed, snakes that do not listen to anything, that, that music that puts a lot of snakes at ease and relaxing, not these. They don't pay attention to it whatsoever, they stop up their ears from it, meaning Nothing changes their wickedness. Nothing changes their unrighteous behavior. And then when you move on to the next verse, it says, gets very clear, verse six in Hebrew, five in other languages, who will not hear the voice of the whispers. Now we know that that term whisper, and that's exactly what it is here in the Hebrew. One who is a a horse whisperer, he is able to calm a horse down. And there's people that seemingly have some ability to interact, to relate with animals in a unique way that they can tame them, they can calm them down. So it speaks here that uh, there may be those individuals that can have that same effect on snakes, but not these snakes, not And it's symbolic not these individuals and it says a charmer and the implication is from the context a snake charmer a snake whisperer even though his enchantments meaning his music are 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 done skillfully with wisdom he has experience even though all of this he has going for him it has no effect on that snake meaning those individuals now the image here and what's being shared to us is something very significant and that is remember we talked about a few minutes ago how messiah said pray for your enemies and obviously this is to pray for for a godly change you know don't want disaster for them but here david is saying something these individuals are not going to be brought to repentance These individuals do not pay attention to anything that may cause them to behave differently. They are thoroughly committed to evilness, to wickedness, and nothing's going to change that. This is what David is is conveying to the reader. Now look at the next verse, verse 7 in Hebrew, 6 in other languages. Because of what he's just taught us, These individuals don't pay attention. These individuals aren't changing. They are bent on doing evil. They want to do harm. And therefore, he says, God, not himself, he's not taking matters into his own hands. He says, oh God, destroy, and this is a word for for making something to be left in ruins. So he says, destroy their teeth in their mouth. So he says, God you, not him, but God destroy their teeth within their mouth. And and he uses a word also for teeth, but I believe most bibles and this would be proper might translate it as fangs. It's speaking about large teeth. And the next word here is farim. Farim kafir is a very young. When I say young, I don't mean one that's a a lion cub, but one that's fully grown and he's at his, his peak. He is a young adult lion. He is strong, he is ferocious, and he has all of his teeth and therefore he's very dangerous. This is the imagery that we see here in this verse. And it says the fangs, those strong teeth, of a young, powerful lion, break, oh Lord. Now, the fact that it says, oh Lord, at the end, once again, David, and this is a very important truth that we need to acknowledge. David is not taking things into his own hands. He has not said, I'll judge them. I'll put forth my vengeance. David's not doing that. He's bringing before God, and at times it's appropriate to do this. God, these individuals are are reprobate they are are full of of hatred nothing is changing they reject anything of 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 peace anything having to do with the things of god they reject that so you O oh god you bring about destruction you destroy their fans O oh god Finally, he says, look at verse 8. He says, as waters flow about and go forth to them. Now, waters are usually something that is good. But once again, they're going to reject. They are someone that that cannot be changed. Now, one interpretation of this is when when, a water, when water begins to flow someplace, you, you can't change it. When water begins rushing when there's a flood, and this is the image here that's being conveyed when we have this word for water flowing, you can't change that. It's, it's loose. It's powerful. There's nothing that you can do but get out of the way. And this is what David is saying and then he talks about how he will draw his bow and the next word is arrows and the implication is with arrows like and then it talks about like that which is is destroyed that which is is just worn out that which is no longer so the point here that's being made is that these individuals They won't be altered. They won't be changed. And if anything's going to happen to them to bring about a change, it's not going to be repentance. It's not going to be the grace of God that changes these individuals, but the judgment of God upon them, that they might be destroyed. That's what he's asking God to do, to pull out his bow, shoot his arrows, and bring about their destruction. Verse 9 eight in most bibles like and it's speaking again like a snail and then the next word is the word for melting and we've seen these snails they kind of leave a a trail of slime and this is the word for melting it's like that they're going to be getting smaller and smaller but he says here like a snail melts when he goes and when a, and this is a word, Nefel, eshet. Eshet is a woman. Nefel is that which falls from her. So it's speaking about, it's an idiom for a miscarriage. So as a miscarriage that does not see the sun. So when we look at this verse, what he's saying here is this. David is saying, make them as a miscarriage. That they no longer have life that they're going to get weaker and weaker less and less they're going to dissolve that's what david is praying for why because these individuals are hindering him they are attacking him they are against david's righteous walk and now we see another image of judgment look if you would to verse 10 in hebrew 9 and other translations it says before your pots will understand the the uh, thorns now the image here and here again the hebrew is very difficult in this psalm what it's saying here is this when you you heat a pot oftentimes they would use think the old english word is like bramble it's that those thorns and things pieces of 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 thorns and maybe wood and such that you used to to set a fire in order to heat up a pot that's the description that he's using and he says before they will understand whose they your pots the the thorns meaning before the thorns are consumed the heat comes from the thorn what will happen it says as raw this is the word high life but in this case it's speaking about uh that those plants in the pot that are green that are alive and live meaning they're fresh and then we have like the haron. Charon speaks about the anger the wrath of god but the wrath of god is oftentimes spoken of as fire so whether something is is burnt up or something is very fresh now, the point is, something that is fresh, what's going to happen to it? Well, it is going to be something that, that burns at a different rate than those things that have already been, been burnt up, you might say, already been well done. So whether it's, it's raw or whether it's well cooked, let it be, notice what he says, let it quickly be be like a storm that passes so the image here is this we're talking about heat a pot that that has been been prepared there's that that source of of heat that's going to be lit those bramble those thorns that that wood and it says basically let that bring about the destruction of what's in the pot quickly whether it's something that is is raw or something that's already been cooked thoroughly let it dissolve is the implication let it be no more in a very fast way verse verse 11 in hebrew 10 and other languages because of god's ability to judge it says the righteous he will be glad because of the perceiving of the vengeance the retribution of god and it says his steps now that's literally a lot of bibles will say his feet but it's literally the word for steps he will wash in the blood of the wicked meaning this the image is this that the wicked are going to be slain The righteous are going to tread over them. This is an image of victory, trampling over the the corpses of the wicked. And that's why it says the steps we might have are going to, to drip with blood. Now, some will say they'll wash their feet in the blood of the wicked. You want to translate it that way? The implication is the blood of the wicked is going to be trampled upon by the righteous that's the promise God is making last verse verse 12 in Hebrew 11 and other Bibles and man will say now we're seeing not man rendering judgment but man responding to the judgment of God what will man say well notice man will say surely then we have the word pre which is fruit Now, this is the outcome, and it says the fruit of the righteous, meaning this, when you walk righteously, when you belong to God and you obey his standards, when you are demonstrating that you are on his side, obeying his word, then you are going to see witness firsthand the destruction of the wicked god's vengeance upon those who are in opposition to him last phrase but there is to god judges in the earth and what it's simply saying is surely there is to god this this judgment Now, it's the word shoftim, which is judges, and what it simply means is that God is going to have multiple expressions of his judgment in this world. It is going to be an abundant judgment that God at the right time, upon the right ones, that God's vengeance is going to be manifested. So let me simply conclude by, by saying these things. First of all, It is appropriate at times for an individual to pray, God, judge these individuals, not us taking it into our hands, but asking for God's vengeance to fall upon those who we have been convinced that they are our retrobate, they are unrepentant, and they will not change no matter what. They will not ever pay attention to anything that is of God. Secondly, God and God alone is appropriate to judge. Now, we're not talking about evaluating. Many people get these two concepts confused. Someone will say, you know, what you're doing is wrong. They'll say, don't judge me. You're not my judge. Judgment is not a matter here. This is evaluating. This is saying, compared to, comparing that act to the standards of God, it is wrong. We are always able to do that we are called to do that that is calling someone to repentance now we do so in love not wanting to see them punish but wanting them to repent so it's fine it's not judgment for us to evaluate and saying this is outside the standards of God the will of God that's not judgment but there are times when a congregation when individuals of certain authority that they have to put discipline a form of judgment discipline and uphold the standards of God and some of the commentators say just that that David is saying God you uphold your standards in this situation because if not remember the inscription if not David is saying it is going to lead to my destruction." So a very significant psalm, one that we need to ponder, one that we need to read over and over and understand the mind of God as David shared in this very important psalm, Psalm 58. Well, until next week, may God bless you. Shalom from Israel.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others.